Hi, my name is Adnan Mahmutovic, and this is Love and Its Discontents podcast, in which we discuss some aspects of love and the love story. In this episode, we have a special guest, Lucy Darnin, who is a writer and a lecturer in creative writing and uh, uh, pedagogical theory at Cambridge University. Uh, Lucy holds a PhD in creative writing and has published a lot of poetry, short stories, essays in international journals. Her short story collection, Wild Gestures, has won the Savater Award uh, for the best short story collection in 2017 and also was shortlisted for the Edge Hill Prize in 2018. Uh, Lucy uh, has uh, also adapted her um, essay, uh, Comics, War and Ordinary Miracles, which she co-wrote with yours truly uh, for BBC Radio 4 and also uh, a collection of um, an anthology uh, called uh, uh, The Craft of Editing on uh, Creative Writing Pedagogy. So it is a great pleasure to welcome you here, Lucy, for this uh, episode when we talk about love and uh, love stories. Thanks so much. And it's a real pleasure to be working with you again on another another manifestation of uh, our thinking. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Pleasure. So uh, the way I conceived of today's uh, conversation is that we start with a very concrete, one specific love story, and that is Raymond Karma's uh, famous, or perhaps maybe infamous, short story, What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. Uh, so uh, I would like us to begin by you reading perhaps the first page, uh, just uh, the beginning of it, so that we get a little bit of a hang of it, uh, what is going on in the story, and from that we'll uh, we'll talk about, you know, how does this story define love, what is love, and uh, and so on. So if you would uh, give us uh, the honor to read from the opening of the story. Absolutely. So. This is what we talk about when we talk about love. My friend Mel McGuinness was talking. Mel McGuinness is a cardiologist, and sometimes that gives him the right. The four of us were sitting around his kitchen table drinking gin. Sunlight filled the kitchen from the big window behind the sink. There were Mel and me, and his second wife, Teresa, Terry we called her, and my wife, Laura. We lived in Albuquerque then, but we were all from somewhere else. There was an ice bucket on the table. The gin and the tonic water kept going around, and we somehow got onto the subject of love. Mel thought real love was was nothing less than spiritual love. He said he'd spent five years in a seminary before quitting to go to medical school. He said he still looked back on those years in the seminary as the most important years of his life. Terry said the man she'd lived with before she lived with Mel loved her so much he tried to kill her. Then Terry said... He beat me up one night. He dragged me around the living room by my ankles. He kept saying, I love you. I love you, you bitch. He went on dragging me around the living room. My head kept knocking on things. Terry looked around the table. What do you do with love like that? She was a bone-thin woman with a pretty face, dark eyes and brown hair that hung down her back. She liked necklaces made of turquoise and long pendant earrings. My God, don't be silly. That's not love. And you know it, Mel said. I don't know what you'd call it, but I sure know you wouldn't call it love. Say what you want to, but I know it was, Terry said. It may sound crazy to you, but it's true just the same. 
people are different now. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, well, I mean, this story is uh, is really interesting. Of course, it's a character-driven story where we have uh, basically four characters sitting around the table, they were drinking a lot and talking about a specific topic, in this case, love. Uh, and um, you would think there is no plot, but it's just it's just four people conversing. And uh, we see that, of course, Mel and Terry, they are um, a bit older couple. In, they're in the 40s. I mean, it's not very old, but uh, they have been together for a while. They're, and not be old. <laughs> they're, they're going to be old, <laughs> yes. And... Um, and obviously, they have been together for a couple of years, and they have also experienced a number of uh, different things, troubles, and so on. Whereas the other couple, um, young in love, they're all, they've been only together for a year and a half, I think. Uh, so obviously, we have a contrast there. We have these who have uh, uh, had their disappointments as well as good moments. Uh, and we also have this young couple. Uh, so they have different conceptions about uh, about love. But it's Mel who is kind of trying to steer this conversation. He, as, as the beginning says, he is a cardiologist, which means he is a doctor of the heart. And uh, <laughs> he gives himself the right to talk about the heart mm. and, uh, and, and love. Uh, so if you begin with this idea, he, obviously they disagree about what love is. Mm-hmm. Mm. Terry and Mel do. Uh, and uh, they are discussing this very specific case of uh, Terry's former relationship with an abusive uh, guy who uh, not only tried to uh, kill them at different points in life, but also in mm. the end uh, killed himself. And mm. Mel says, that's not love. And Terry says, yes, it is. So what do you think? <laughs> And uh, what do you think the story teaches us or concludes on, on this? What, um, what is love in the broadest, most abstract sense, do you mean? I'd like to start there. Yeah, let's um, start there and see what this yeah. is. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I mean, I was actually talking to a, a friend about this recently. Um, the idea of, of, is love a feeling or is it something something else and I think there's a sense that um, it's actually um, there's a line in Gilmore Girls where um, Lorelai Gilmore says that relationships need verbs you know love is a verb love is an, an active thing as opposed to just a feeling that we experience so I think there's for me I think the idea of love is very much connected to what we would do in the name of it or what it what it triggers us to do what it um, triggers us not to do and I think that's something that definitely comes out in this in this particular story because the different manifestations of love that they all explore um, throughout the course of their conversation seem to be defined by the things that people will do in those situations it's not just how they feel or you know that kind of the, the butterfly feeling in the in the chest or whatever it might be it's, it's actually how far will they go for these these connections or these you know this desire so um so yeah i think it's it's one of the the reasons the story is so interesting to me because it's a story that is um entirely focused on a definition it's it's like that effectively is the plot it's trying to figure out um getting below the, the layers and i think the fact that although mel mel is a cardiologist he is a doctor of the heart but he's also a man who um who 
prior to that was, was heading down a spiritual path and and there's another kind of element of, of trying to understand um, a, a different form of love that he then translates into the physical so again there's this sort of grappling with with is it something intangible or is it something you know is it, is it blood pumped around the body something active it's um Indeed, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically, uh, before that, he was in the seminary, as you said. So he was probably, uh, you know, going to be a priest or something like that. So he has oh. that. So that's why that's his heritage. That's uh, his former life. So he's influenced by that, and he knows it. Uh, so he says, "Love mm. is spiritual love." That's the kind of love um, that is uh, the, the ideal love, as if uh, you know, between a god and uh, and man. Uh, mm. And uh, obviously now he is, as he says later on in the story, he's a mechanic of the heart. He's not the, uh, so he only knows the mechanics, how it works. So he cannot, it's almost like he's split between two very, very different modes of thinking about love. And I think that's, when we, when we ask ourselves that question, what is love? I think that, that split becomes evident every time. It's like, is it this kind of, this nebulous thing that um, we feel but can't quite ever get a grasp on it? Or is it something that, that has a sort of mechanical root that you can, you know, it's got, there's an equation. Um, in fact, at some point in the story, he even talks about that sort of um, feeling of what happens when, love ends where does that love go the love that he had for his ex-wife you know he loved her once I know I loved her once he says um, and then where does that it's like the remainder of the equation how do you balance it because it's um there should be something on either side of it so so yeah I think and I think that's um I, I feel that's a common human experience to to be divided between love as something that you can in some way um, attain because it's tangible and also it's something completely intangible that we can't we, there's, there's no formula to um, to, yeah, to, to to get it basically yeah, I mean, you, you're quite right I mean there is this continuous kind of split between thinking of uh, time and love love and time and love in time how time affects love uh, and uh, and there is this sense that uh, love is so great that it makes us feel as if we are immortal. Uh, you know, there is the cliche, love survives time mm -hmm. or death uh, or, and, and so mm -hmm. on. Uh, so, so there is that aspect of it, which we, in a sense, instinctively kind of believe in or, or feel. But at the same time, uh, as Mel points out, I loved my former, life, uh, former, former wife uh, and now I hate her guts. Uh, mm -hmm. what's changed uh, you guys have been in love for a year and a half you will probably you know give it time and then you will probably feel you know maybe you, know, you will not be loving each other that much uh, later mm -hmm. so there is this co continuous kind of struggle between love and time love is it worth uh, something as uh, Jeffrey Genity says is love worth it because it's uh, eternal or because it's temporal because it will die because there is the possibility that will die that it will die out yeah yeah and there's and the, the flip side of that is if if love is something that can transcend and survive death war um illness all of these things there's also how does it begin where does it begin from where do we move from just 
being you know casual acquaintances with a person to feeling that that spark of love and I, I often think of there's a beautiful poem by Ada Limon which um, when I'm thinking about how is it that we could write anything new about love I, I come to this poem and it's called um, what I didn't know before and I, I won't read read the poem um, but the last line of it there's in the poem she's imagining um, meeting a loved one and um, likening um, this moment to the birth of a baby horse. When a horse is born, it just kind of gets up and um, starts running around the field. You know, it's like, it's, it's that fast. Um, and the last line is, it didn't, it, it came out fully formed, re ready to run. The love I had for you came out fully formed, ready to run. And there's this feeling of this kind of, this spontaneous minute, this moment where you're not, there is no love and then suddenly love exists yes. and then it lasts and then it lasts eternally and I can't think of any other um, emotion or experience that, that has that kind of trajectory that it kind of sparks into life in an instant and then lasts um, a lifetime as the song lyrics tell us. Yes, that's that, that's really amazing. That's uh, uh, especially you get that sense of uh, of the divine uh, in in a oh. way that uh, you, you, I mean in this story you have uh, he, uh, they give so many different examples of people loving each other or abandoning each other. Uh, mm. So that Mel is trying to uh, actually figure out this definition of love for himself, as as you can see, and, he, and he's doing it through examples. He is saying, okay, well there is. You uh, so he speaks to Terry. There is you and your husband, and that's not love because he was abusive. This is a oh. uh, very un, an unhealthy idea of love. And then he he wants to compare them to this older couple that he treated in in his hospital. Uh, so this older couple basically what happened was that they've been uh, together their entire lives. So uh, he notices that they uh, after this uh, accident they are. Uh, so uh, wounded, they uh, can barely, uh, they don't even know if they're going to survive. And even though that is the case, even though they cannot move, he says, well, there is this older man, he wants to have a look of his wife. And he wants mm. it so bad that it's killing him not being able to see her. Mm. Uh, and he says that's that's his example of uh, of true love that this man is literally dying to see her he cannot be be apart from her even for one second uh, mm. and and if I compare that to the case with uh, Terry and her former husband wasn't that the case for him as well he was ready to die for Terry and kill himself for Terry and uh, yeah. he couldn't stand not being close to her so so I get a little bit perplexed here like how is Mel really thinking here what is the difference of course except that one man was abusive but what is the difference in the, the feeling in the way of looking at love uh, mm. in, between those two cases well I suppose we've completely romanticized the idea of dying for love so um you know that's a sort of you know, chivalric kind of notion of um that you know you would lay down your life for the person you loved um and in a in a non-romantic sense um we, we would perhaps think of that for our children or our, our parents or you know other other members of our family this idea that one would sacrifice oneself for the thing that they they loved um so there seems to be an element of sacrifice that comes into it in some way but but I think I mean don't you find it kind of um, 
interesting that so many of these definitions of love, particularly the ones that Mel draws attention to, are they're effectively framed against loss or absence of love or the fear of absence of love. It's not yeah. not the thing itself, but for Terry's husband for whatever reason, they don't really explore this in their conversation, but he fears losing Terry and um, and this prompts him to, to have this response. And in the same case with the old couple, the fact that the old man can't see his wife um, and not being able to see her means that he, he's he's dying without that ability to sort of confirm that she's there. Um, it's it's all framed in this, this sort of, um, this binary of loss and love um, and, and I find that really fascinating. I don't know what you what you think about. I think that's why the, we always um, connect love to, to its absence. In, indeed, because there is this fear of losing love, as you say, mm. uh, in, in, as if uh, because love is not immortal, because love is mortal and will die. Uh, that's why we mm. cherish it even more. Uh, so, so that that becomes quite kind of obvious, uh, uh, and. Uh, and the way it's kind of framed here, it seemed to me that Mel is uh, at the same time uh, despising uh, Terry's former husband for the, the the kind of love and the way he was loving Terry, but yeah. at the same time desiring exactly that kind of love. Mm -hmm. that he, would, yeah. he actually wants to be in love with Terry in a way that he would die for her that he uh, he actually yeah. mentions the chivalry a lot like people used to die for one and, uh, yeah. And yeah. Mm. yeah absolutely yeah. um it, yeah it's, it's very interesting that actually he's he's himself striving for an ideal of love that we've seen the toxic end of it we've seen the kind of you know the extreme mm -hmm. when when love goes bad kind of uh, yes. that, that sort of manifestation of it um i mean maybe i mean can we can we mention um yearning um i know yearning is something yeah. that uh, both of us have explored in our, in our own work this this idea of, of love and desire and yearning is this this sort of uh, th these deeply braided together concepts um and i wonder if um if if this comes into it some in some way that mel himself is yearning for a particular kind of love that he can see himself when it's taken to an extreme has a very negative outcome but if you think about Robert Olin Butler's notion that plot is just yearning, challenged and thwarted, then I suppose in both of those cases with, the, with Terry's husband and with the old couple, the yearning they have for the object of their affection um, is challenged by, by circumstance. Terry doesn't want to, to return the feelings of her, of her partner, the old man can't see his wife uh, because of their injuries so that yearning is um is, is interrupted or or challenged in some way and um indeed yeah. and, and i mean um and i'll come back to that uh, later just when we when we get to defining love stories uh, mm -hmm. I, i'm thinking here uh, which is really interesting obviously uh, we get into this territory that love is the desire for something or for something perhaps that you don't have. You know, mm. the old platonic idea uh, for the other half or, you know, the missing part of yourself, yeah. uh, something that yeah. will, uh, you know, uh, in this kind of cliched phrase, but I mean, it's still what we 
what we constantly encounter, you know, desire to be complete. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I think um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting story to be reading or rereading in 2022, where I think there's a lot of, um, there's a sort of, I, I feel there's a shift in the way we think about relationships um, towards self-love, towards um, independence, uh, away from codependence, away from that feeling of being completed by another person. And yet there's still a sort of a romantic ideal embedded in this story where that, yes. that search for the other half of you is, is, still, is still the driving force of, of how, um, how we write about love. Absolutely. And, and I'm also thinking, and I hear, I mean, in this story, one premise is that they actually quarrel uh, about the very definition of love. So if they have, if two people have different definitions of what love is, so we are going beyond this, uh, let's say, the ontology of love, whether or not it really exists out there in the world, uh, but also how we define it. So that, that's already there in the beginning. Terry has one definition, Mel has another definition, mm. so they are fighting over that. And mm. you know, if two people don't have a same definition of love, uh, that becomes an impediment for this yearning itself. Like they, mm. they cannot really synchronize, like, uh, because they will always think like, oh, she's not giving me what I want, but she doesn't mm. think that's what love is. She maybe wants to give you something she thinks she should be giving. Uh, so mm. I wonder if, the, if uh, this story uh, is really uh, also about that kind of problem. Like, what is it that we talk about when we talk about love? If we could just agree on something. Yeah. 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 Um, if, if we could all just agree um, yeah. on, on what that is, like, it's globally. Um, and, and I think we see four different insights into it in this story through the, the four different characters but of course then we have the the characters who are off page if you like they're sort of in the wings of the story um in in the older couple in the hospital and also in terry's um former partner and but we, but we see it, it's a, it's an interesting contrast that mel and terry have a very um dynamic way of exploring what love is whereas laura and the narrator of the story um it's more passive it's more um they're they're at that stage of a relationship where they're not questioning or they're 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 very um content in in where they are in their relationship and and they're sort of they're still thinking along the sort of those same shared lines about everything they haven't got to that point that mel mel can see it coming for them but the point in which they disagree even on on what it is love might be or where we would eat for dinner or um, whether we should have another drink all of those little kind of micro um disagreements so it, but it but it sort of it makes me wonder if, if in a sense love is in the spaces between things it's in those it, it's not one thing we can get to or another thing we can get to it's in that kind of what's generated in between the, the 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 possible definitions 
Yes, absolutely. It means like falling between, let's say, these extremes of the spiritual yeah. love and love as the uh, the mechanics of it, the as you said, the blood flow, the uh, the formulas, yeah. uh, the chemistry, yeah. uh, you know, be- between all the all these different things. Especially when we look at the, uh, you 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 said, for instance, that love is a verb, so it's something you also do. It's not just like uh, saying, "Okay, I love you," and then nothing. Obviously, the, yeah. what does that even mean? So love is a verb that means doing love or, or loving, yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, that goes with. Uh, and I think it's really strong in this story: performativity of love. Uh, there is this moment where, uh, as you said, uh, the narrator and and his uh, and his girlfriend or his wife, uh, when they uh, are asked, well, "Are you in love?" and then he takes her hand and kisses her, you know, uh, kisses it excessively, like performing yeah. love, like yeah. almost ridiculous performance of love, yeah. Uh, you know? yeah. and they all know it's yeah. kind of silly and it's ridiculous. Yeah. So there is that that element of uh, you know what does it mean to really perform love genuinely, yeah. authentically, and and also uh, the, the, the sort of, like you mentioned the chemistry of it, but also that initial experience of love is is simply chemicals tearing around your body. It's um, um, is it, is it dopamine? Is, is dopamine one of the the, the, the chemicals that's released when you uh, when you experience love um, or, or desire or excitement? Um, it's it's an, it, you know it's a number of sort of um, reactions in the body which um, of course fade that that chemical side of um, I suppose it's more linked to attraction but we mistake it for love we think of it as love in fact it's just a series of of, um, of chemical reactions love enters the picture after that's subsided, um, which sort of, I, I suppose, separates it from that mechanical process, then it becomes something something else. It, it becomes, um, again, something that happens in the spaces between things. So it's, um, you know, is it something that, that is, is um, created? Do we actually actively create love in the things that we do? Does that performativity eventually take us to a, a place of authentic love because if we perform it enough do we do we then step into a place where we actually experience the real thing or do we find ourselves where it's, it's kind of run off in a sort of you know um like for terry's husband where it 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 just um it, it's, it mutates or it sort of you know it's it, to go back to the sort of the biological thing it's, it's almost like a sort of a a, a, a cancerous kind of multiplication of, of something until until it becomes something negative instead of something positive. Yeah, you, you, you're quite right. I, I really love these uh, paradoxes that uh, arise from uh, uh, all these definitions and how we could, the more we try to define it, the more paradoxes we uh, encounter. Uh, but it is really there in the paradoxes, as you say, in between these extremes, these binaries uh, and, and, and so on. So... Uh, so it's uh, for me it's so exciting because there is a little bit of a kind of chicken and egg uh, sort of uh, a dilemma as you said it now do, uh, mm. do we persist in loving even after the dopamine is gone or whatever the chemicals are or uh, does the dopamine arise because of love so what came first love or the, ke- uh, the, the chemistry or chemistry and then love so yeah yeah 
Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't uh, like this, this, this thing that you said in the beginning, like, where does it begin? Mm. Like, how do we know at the moment when love actually began? Uh, we know yeah. sort of where it ends or where it could end with death and so on, but where did it actually begin? How, how does it come to being is, uh, is a question here and it's like a, uh, unsolvable but amazing question. Yeah, um, and I think if you think about love poetry, love um, songs, um, love stories, so much of, I mean, obviously not all of them, but the, the majority seem to focus on on the loss of love, the other side of it, and how do you hold on to a love when someone doesn't feel the same, or how do you deal with love when it's unrequited? But that, that mysterious um, genesis of it is, um, it feels to me, I mean, I know there are, are definitely works out there that explore that moment that love kind of fires into being, but it's, it's not where we tend to immediately turn our attention. We, we turn our attention to the part when we can't hold on to it or we can't, yes. um, we don't get it returned. I suppose because perhaps that, that's where the real tension lies, um, that the fear or the, um, the anxiety that propels us to want to make art about it. Yes. But... Well, I mean, that brings us to the very question of the love story, uh, because uh, love story is one of the oldest types of stories. Uh, mm. In a sense, you could say that most stories are about some kind of love, uh, and uh, we cannot get enough of those stories. We have seen all the cliches we have, in a sense, has been told over and over and over, but we still cannot get enough of them. Uh, and uh, what is then a, a love story? Is this... Is Carver's story a love story? If so, why? How do we even know what what, what the love story is? Yeah. It, it feels like a love story that's trying its very hardest not to be a love story. It's trying to sort of step <laughs> yeah. away from um, the sort of the tropes and the the, the, the trajectories of a, of, a, of a love story. And actually, I think I think it's Brecht who says that um, love and war are like. Uh, no, that's uh, I think that's Yevtushenko, that but love and war are like. Uh, Brecht says that um, two things will never stop writing about love and war. And um, it's um, this, this idea that love and violence or love and there's this sort of constant, the two things always belong together. And even within a story, there's, we will never stop writing about these two extremes of human experience, love and, and the sort of the, the terrible things that happen um, either in the name of it or... Um, sort of in antithesis to it and um yeah I, th I think it's interesting that um it's it's these topics we return to again and again and again and yet we're still trying to find something new to say about them we're not exhausted of, of finding new things to say and so for me when carver sits down and says right well, what what do we talk about when we talk about love it, it feels like it's almost interrogating the the history of the of the form as well like why have we been drawn to this why why do we as writers and artists um why with the myriad of subjects at our disposal do we find ourselves pulled back into that particular track and um and we, we sort of you know vacillate between that and its opposite the the, the story of war and um or the story of violence and um, and how the two things, um, the tension between them sort of generate that kind of um, energy. So... 
I wonder if I, you think yeah. uh, now. I mean, what you say now about uh, about uh, Carver and the way he is exploring the form. He is, uh, in a sense, aware of what has preceded him, what uh, sorts of love stories there are, what are some of the cliches, what are some of the tropes, and, and so on. Uh, I wonder if uh, uh, you would think that um, there is no love without love story. I mean, where do we learn? what love is, really. I mean, is it something innate or do we learn it from stories because we read just so many stories or watch movies or, you know, people tell us about uh, uh, about uh, what love is or they t- try to teach us or tell us stories of love and then that's how we learn. Uh, c- can actually love be divorced from the story of love? Is that is that even possible? Is that something maybe Carver is trying to do here? That's, that's a really interesting question. Um, my instinct is to say, in a sense, no, it, it can't be divorced from, from the love story because, in a sense, in the telling of it, we, we keep it alive or we renew it. Or if you think about the, the loves of our own lives that we've, we've lost, be it platonic loves or romantic loves, familial loves, um, we, we bring life back to them by telling the the, you know, the memories we recall the memories or we tell stories of, of past times um, we constantly renew love in the telling of it so I think and the fact that whether it's in the form of an anecdote or a memory or something like that it's it's still a narrative it's still it's still a story so um, perhaps we do learn to experience it through through these stories and we, we've heard those stories right from being very small children the, yes. the, the children's yeah. stories that we probably hear being read to us as children are all very much um preparing us for those experiences in a very sort of you know gentle way um I, i'm thinking of um stories like um good night moon or um um there's uh oh this the uh the story um the, the velveteen rabbit stories like that where it's sort of like love kinds of it, loving something gives it life or it um it makes something continuous but there is also this sense that uh, uh you say love uh, these stories prepare us for things or prepare us maybe for love but uh, also maybe tell us that love is about uh, bad things. It is about mm. loss. It is about grief. It is about all these things which come with love. Uh, you, you mentioned sacrifice. You mentioned the, quite a few of these things which are not always pleasant. Uh, mm. So in a sense, because we have heard so many stories, we expect there to be loss. We expect there to be death. We expect there to be disappointment. Uh, we expect uh, heartbreak. And I mean, mm. we almost kind of wonder if there is no heartbreak is this really love you know if there is uh, nothing standing in the way uh, so uh, I wonder if, if you are then conditioned the wrong way through these love stories uh, are, the, are love stories giving love a bad name <laughs> well um, of course if uh, you, you know that I'm a, a huge fan of Wuthering Heights Emily Bronte mm-hmm. um, and that sort of romantic idea of you know, the, the Heathcliff 
kind of that that uh, manifestation of love where it's destructive and um, it, it, you know everyone would sort of tear themselves asunder to, to, to experience that kind of love and we can see I, I hope in, in you know um, from our current perspective how toxic and, and um, full of red flags that would actually be except we, we've romanticized that kind of love that um, destructive and um, selfish love in some ways that you know we're prepared to you think of all the love stories um another you know we both have a favorite story in the english patient um as, which is a story of, of betrayal and infidelity and as much as it is a story of, of other sort of um more positive experiences of love um and yeah those those um because we associate real love or the kind of love we want to experience with those uh, tragic ends or those um, catastrophic experiences of love I think um, I know I could certainly point to my own teenage reading as a an example of how my own formation of what a love story would be would definitely be very much you know based on a kind of a cocktail of, of Wuthering Heights and um Romeo and Juliet and you know many things which were yeah absolutely teaching us the the opposite perhaps of what the love story might want to show us but mm. yeah and, and, and I really hope that uh, at uh, some point later down the line we can uh, talk about uh, the Brontes and the English patient and many more stories I think that would be that would be really great uh, I think uh, there is uh, a sense that uh, uh, this this uh, subject, this topic is inexhaustible. Really, uh, there's uh, so much to say about it, and I'm um, um, uh, just in terms of like a, a lot of stories. Uh, but sometimes you have uh, stories which you don't. You wouldn't guess they were love stories. I mean, they would. They wouldn't be labeled because they were, maybe they are not romance. Uh, mm. Maybe they are not. Uh, if, uh, Categorized as love stories. If you go to a bookstore, if you go to, um, mm -hmm. to a library, they, they will, you will not find them in in those special kind of uh, on, on special shelves, kind of uh, 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 kind of designed for certain kinds of, of of readers. And I'm 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 really curious of you know about these these other kinds of stories, which in a sense you discover, oh, this was a love story. I didn't know that. I thought it was something else. I thought this was about, uh, let's um, say, uh, you know, The Godfather. Oh, I thought this was about mafia. But I discover, mm. oh, I, actually, this is about, you know, uh, family love and uh, the competition mm. between family and romantic love and things like that uh, and so on. So uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. You know, if you have examples of discovering stories which, uh, or rediscovering stories as love stories. At some point, actually, to to return to the to the carver to the collection, what we talk about, mm. we talk about love. For me, one of the most romantic stories in this book is called "After the Denim," um, and it's a, a story. Again, it's about an older couple who are playing bingo, and um, they're observing the other couples in the room, and they're observing younger couples, and they are. And there's an incident. I'll, I'll try not to give any spoilers, but there's an incident within the story that indicates that the wife there might be a medical situation which potentially compromises their, their, their the length of their future together. Um, and um, 
this prompts the the husband to to look around the room at the younger couples and to think they've got all this ahead of them you know he's suddenly this momentary flash where he's picturing potentially life without his wife it's, it's actually a very similar dynamic in a way to what we talk about when we talk about love but it's sort of set in this this kind of very ordinary um context of the bingo hall and it's a very fleeting moment and he's thinking you know where will he be and there's a kind of an envy of these young people who have all of their life ahead of them and they don't know yet this sorrow of thinking our time's running out even if it's um even if actually they grow old together and, and just simply die of old age that that will eventually be the case that they will they will be apart um and i i don't feel it's a sort it's intended to be a love story as such it's a story where actually they get very kind of um scathing about the uh, the the cheating behavior um in the bingo game of these younger couples but um but actually what it really boils down to is that that fear of of losing the thing that you love so i i think there's there's um many ways that carver himself finds romance and love in in situations that actually look very very ordinary and very um quotidian um and and not you know they're very divorced from all of the the trappings of the love story that we might imagine you know, there's no there's no windy moor and there's no um, um you know, there's no desert and none of the romantic um frameworks it's just very ordinary and for me those are the most powerful love stories that are actually the ones that the ordinary person my experience that um i don't imagine myself in a in an anna karenina um <laughs> type in situation but um but a story that speaks to the very sort of mundane ordinary details of my own life you put me on the spot thinking of a of a story that i've discovered that way because as is often the case all of the titles of books i've ever read have fled my mind um but i'll um I'm sure one will come back to me. Absolutely, we'll and we'll we'll, we'll come back to those kinds of stories. Uh, yeah. the, the reason I'm saying this is because, uh, uh, again, it has to do with this conditioning, or, uh, the, these cliches about love, and where where we find other forms of love. As uh, mm-hmm. you, when you were reading that opening, um, uh, Terry says to to Mel, "People are different." Okay, so they, they have mm-hmm. different conceptions of love. Uh, they, uh, and they have different experiences of love, and I really love that you that you come back to the issue of loss and time, love and time. For me, this seems to be really quite essential here. Uh, Jeffrey G is in this uh, short story collection or this anthology uh, of uh, uh, the greatest love stories uh, from Chekhov to Monroe. Uh, uh, he chooses some stories that are kind of odd. And uh, sometimes you wouldn't think, okay, well, is this really a love story? Why? How? And he, in a sense, chooses the stories like the, the one you gave an example of from Carver uh, after the denim. Uh, so, so, uh, so, so those kinds of discoveries are so precious because they refresh they refresh mm. us in a certain way and that's what we expect from stories to give us a new way of looking at something that we either know or didn't know we, we knew or just didn't know and, and, and need to need to actually experience mm. and, uh, and know 
Uh, Eugenides says that uh, love story is defined by an impediment, you know. So it's it's a basic storytelling device. A character wants something, desires something, you said mm. yearns for something, can't get it. And that's where the conflict is. So uh, a lover wants a beloved, uh, cannot, you know, get get through, something stands in the way. And that's, that's how, in a sense, a love story is, is a shame. Shaped and this impediment, uh, which he he actually borrows from the poet Catullus, uh, which he calls mm. sparrow. So uh, he he takes this idea of this bird, the sparrow, which his beloved loves so much, is paying no attention to himself. Uh, mm. So she wants this sparrow to die, uh, and when the sparrow is dead, the love dies as well. <laughs> Because without this impediment, without this obstacle, in a sense, mm. there is no love. Uh, and the greatest obstacle seems to be time. Uh, uh, mm. At least that's how I interpret it, the way you put it. That, uh, it is this fear of time eating love, time actually standing in the way, this ultimate kind of uh, enemy that you cannot possibly beat. Uh, yeah, and I... Um Time and other other people, perhaps um, other people are, are <laughs> an impediment. But but it comes back to that feeling of without the impediment, is it really love? You know, if it's not, it, you know, I, I've thought about this as, as a writer myself, um, and a lot of the stories that I've written that might be classed as love stories are, are, are you know, typically about that love being thwarted in some way or um, or, or something being denied somebody. But I've been thinking a lot recently about what would it be like to write a story a love story with a happy ending, a love story where there was um, that sort of impediment was removed. And, and it's actually, I don't know if you've tried to do it yourself, but it's incredibly hard to do it because, of course, yes. where do you find, where do you actually find the story? Where's the conflict? Where's the, the tension that you're, you're trying to yeah. look for? If you, if, if you take away um, that, um, yeah, that, that sort of obstacle in the way and actually just let people get on with being in love. And, um, the, the, the poet Banu Kapil says that um, what, is good for, um, what is good for art is, is terrible for life, or I'm paraphrasing, but, um, but this idea that what is good for the art is, we, we don't want to live those, um, those lives of, um, uh, of denial and, um, and unrequited love. We actually just want to live happily ever after, really, don't we? And and yet the happy ever after story doesn't serve particularly the short story very well because no. it, it feels very, uh, it, it feels too easy. It feels too, um, like you haven't, you haven't worked for anything. You, you, you've, yes. if you, if everyone leaves the story with the thing that they came for, then, yes. um, somehow that yearning hasn't been manifested. Indeed, indeed. So even if um, uh, Mel doesn't really want to die for Terry or doesn't want to kill himself for Terry, at least he wants to approach, he wants to go in that direction that, uh, mm. rather than the opposite direction. He wants to feel that passion, passion yeah. that, uh, yeah. that yearning, yes. Because uh, he's actually so, very, um, he, he's quite subtle about it, but he's a little bit um, scathing towards um, his guests because they're happy and in love and they're kissing each other's yes. hands and they're smiling and he's 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 waiting for that to um fall apart so yes. even, even there's something in him it feels that um suspects that happy ever after 
wouldn't be satisfying perhaps or it can't yeah. exist exactly. but still that's the only moment in the story where they where terry and mel agree on something yeah. when they when the young couple like kiss each other and they look at them from this experienced point of view and uh, yeah. they look ah oh, you just wait uh, so that's the yeah. only yeah. point of convergence of their of their thoughts that's the only thing they absolutely agree on the rest they completely disagree on every other uh, other aspect of their lives their relationship everything they're very quite different but that's the one where they are like yes and they like like one like this unity look at this young couple and and, and smile mm -hmm. they're kind of uh, experienced smiles uh almost kind of wishing for them yeah. to experience that that heartbreak yeah and the sort of um inevitability of it that it's coming which is which is the thing that that emerges out of after the denim is that this um this is coming for all of us all of those all of us who love um are going to at some point face the grief of the absence of love whether that's because somebody chooses to leave or whether it's because um you know the, the world intervenes and um love is denied um, we're all going to get there. We're all going to experience it. We, none of us are immune to that. Um, so, so it's, but it's interesting to me how, um, because if we're talking about sort of the possibility of unrequited love, it's also possible where you were talking about um, which stories that, that actually turn out to be about love when you didn't expect them to be about love we can have as readers our own kind of love affair with a story, can't we? And some, yeah. some stories, we have an unrequited love for those too. Why is it that some stories are, why is it that what we talk about when we talk about love is so beloved, particularly of short story writers? Why do we all have this kind of fascination with it? And yet perhaps there are other stories which um, are equally technically as interesting or equally as um, conceptually as interesting, but they don't quite become classics perhaps in inverted commas and yeah that 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 relationship the love relationship between reader and text is a is an interesting one to me as well why why are we talking about what we talk about when we talk about love <laughs> yes exactly why are we talking about this <laughs> now why are we talking about uh, i always get that it's almost it's like one matter. of those things like you you're supposed to say before you before you start acting like why do we talk about what we talk about when we talk about love i would say that <laughs> 10 times really fast right <laughs> Yes, I'm uh, not even gonna try. That's, uh, that's really amazing. <laughs> um, but but, it's, but why has it become the quintessential love story? Mm. Um, I uh, it's 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 very hard to say. I, I suppose because it's so evocative, because it really uh, makes us think and feel. We uh, we can recognize these different types of love. We can recognize the tropes. We can recognize the cliches storylines we can recognize the history of love and love story uh the realism of it perhaps uh, but also this abstract thought so it's a combination of very kind of realist depiction uh and and also it's also really quite abstract but it doesn't get in the way it's still pleasant to to read and imagine and uh, and and be in the shoes of these and maybe kind of also being an outsider smirking at them, you know, mm -hmm. laughing a little bit at them uh, as you watch mm -hmm. that quarrel and thinking, ah, okay, you, in a sense, they expose themselves to being a little bit ridiculous, a, a laughable mm -hmm. to, uh, 
to us. And I think that's uh, that's also this vulnerability is is uh, what we like, yeah. I suppose. Mm. And and perhaps uh, at some level, it's it's reassuring as well. It's um, I think it's yeah. it's a very human um, feeling to be almost relieved that. It's, it's not as if everyone else understands the secret of love and we personally don't, that it's something yeah. that we're all grappling with and we're all trying to um, find some kind of answer that satisfies us in, in the moment as well. So, um, that, yeah, Mel's a cardiologist. He has the right to assert himself yeah. over the conversation, but even he can't quite uh define this okay. so yeah. so we're okay we're off the hook for a bit and you and i are writers and uh, mm. literary scholars so we also have the right we give ourselves the right to to start this conversation to talk about this huge topic which uh, you know mm. many have tried to tackle and uh, and cover and explain and uh, and so on and yet here we are kind of uh, coming after all these people saying okay well we we have something we have the right and we have something new to say so I think that's that's really amazing it uh, it's it's great it shows our love for well, uh, life, storytelling, um, stories, uh, love as such, the idea of love, uh, and uh, and basically just this human kind of touch and, and, and intimacy. Mm. Uh, that, and we that know that fine share. well that people are not going to stop writing about love. It's not going to become exactly. a subject that we've exhausted. This sort of... Exactly. This universal experience that we all have, the, the myriad particularities of it, we're, we're going to continue um, in all forms yeah. of art to, yeah. to try and um, pin them down in some way. Maybe that's what we're trying to do. It's trying to, this, this, this thing that's ephemeral and, um, and um, uh, you know, it is um, at the mercy of um, things, forces bigger than us, um, mm-hmm. just try and pin it down just for a moment to say, yes, it happened, to, yeah. to confirm it in writing. Um, I think that impulse is quite attractive. It's quite uh, addictive, actually. Absolutely, absolutely. And we do not expect to give uh, the final answers. We just want to open a conversation. And mm. this was an amazing beginning. Uh, Lucy, thank you so much for this. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, and I hope our viewers, uh, uh, well, the viewers of um, uh, Love and Its Discontents podcast, uh, future fans, uh, will subscribe <laughs> to our channel and follow us on many more journeys down this, um, this path of uh, love. Uh, I hope you and I will have many more conversations about books we love. Uh, and... Um, Again, thank you so, so much for this. Uh, much thank love. you for having me.